Hello, I'm Dante Freeman, and I'm here with my co-host, Hannah Zeller, and we're proud to be back for season two of I'm Living Proof, A Letter to My Younger Self. Yeah, and if this is your first time joining us, I'm Living Proof, A Letter to My Younger Self is our blog and podcast series where we share the experiences of young adults that live with depression and bipolar in a letter to their younger self. Before we get into this letter, we just want to let you know that there is some explicit language used in this episode. If you're not comfortable with that, we recommend that you read Katrina's letter and skip this episode. You can find Katrina's letter over at dbsalliance.org slash I'm Living Proof. Also on our website, you can find more about this series. Go ahead and listen to season one or find out how to submit your own letter if you are interested. And if you are, we would love to hear from you. Of course. Today, we're going to hear from Katrina, who titled her letter, I'm Living Proof, I Am Not Resilient. Yeah, it is an interesting title. And I think that the conversation that you had with Katrina is so enlightening around this. You know, I think especially when we think about trauma, we really need to question the concept of resilience. And I think Katrina really generously shares that experience with us uh, um, in your conversation. And I'm so excited for our audience to hear that. Yes, I love that Katrina took the time to challenge the concept of resilience and challenge me to rethink how we as a podcast should approach these generally accepted phrases or concepts in mental health, especially when we're talking about success um, in mental health and how we just throw these phrases around. We really need to rethink it and make sure that we're choosing our words carefully and making sure that we're recognizing the whole person and the whole journey when we're discussing mental health. Um, So that's something we're going to focus on as we move through season two. Yeah, I'm so excited for it. You know, I took so much away from Katrina's episode and her letter, and I'm just really excited for everyone to be able to listen now. I also want to mention that Katrina has her own podcast called Absolutely Not that focuses on setting boundaries for our mental health, and it is great. So if you like podcasts, you should uh, go over and check that one out as well. Before we jump in, we want to remind you that you should rate and subscribe to this podcast to support our work. We thank you for doing that. It really helps us out. So you can rate and subscribe both on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and I'm sure on whatever favorite app you're using to listen to this. And do we have anything else to say, Hannah? I don't think so. I think we should uh, dive into Katrina's letter and your awesome conversation with her. Hi, my love. I know, I know. Who says that? Well, we do. We love ourselves now. We love everything about ourselves. We love our big thighs, our brown skin, and our nappy hair. Hard to imagine, right? I want you to know that we're definitely going to get here one day, and it won't be because anyone came and saved us. I know we were waiting on that, but they never came. No one ever tells her she's a bad mom and daddy never realizes like we thought he would. My love, we save ourselves. I know that sounds like something we'll never be able to do, but we do it. We realize all the lies over time and we decide not to listen to them anymore. We find people who don't lie to us and who love us for just existing. 
We no longer need to do more than others, and we strive to create a safe world that our son can grow in. Yes, we have a son. Katrina, we are nothing like her. I need you to understand that regardless of what has happened, you are worthy of love that doesn't hurt you. You will give love without pain and the pain that you were taught, and you'll finally be free. I love you so much. We will see the world, and when we stop running, we'll finally find peace. We won't find it in anyone, anything, or any place. We'll find it within us. I love you, and I am so fucking proud of you. You deserve to get here, and I cannot wait until you do. Love, Katrina. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you for reading that. I am deeply touched by both reading that letter and hearing you read that letter. Um, how was it for you writing this letter to yourself and then reading it? Oh, it was awful. This was awful. <laughs> reading that out loud right now was really awful, but in in the most cleansing of ways. Um, I think little Katrina is still in here. I mean, she's with me every single day and she cannot bear to think that she is deserving of what she has today. You know, what do you hope, you mentioned little Katrina, what do you hope that little Katrina will take away from not only you reading this letter, but um, the experiences that you mentioned in this letter? What do you think she'll take away from that? Um, that that level of love, and I use quotations when I say love, is not, is not the cap, is not the limit on what type of love we deserve. There are so many different types of love out there, and we're going to find it eventually. That's interesting. We, we had many people talk about love in their letters and, and how that's helped on their mental health journey. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your mental health journey, you uh, explain to us what it was like. I know you explained a little bit in your letter, but giving us a little more detail. Mm. Um, so I come from communities that don't talk about mental health. I am black in Samoan and in both of those communities growing up, I don't think that was even like, like I've never heard those two words put together from people who are leaders in my community or elders in my family. And so I was unaware of what that entailed until I came to the end of my life. In 2018, I decided to take my own life multiple times after internalizing the behavior of a toxic workplace. Mm -hmm. And it was not until that point that I started on my mental health journey. So how do you feel about the conversation now um, in the media? You see it a lot in social media, but where mental health is becoming less and less of a taboo to talk about. And we're having more spaces like that. How, how, how do you feel about that? Mm -hmm. I love it. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to add a butt to it. I love it but I need more me. I need more um, with mental health. It has been dominated by white women, specifically thin white women to be mm -hmm. the like 
face of what mental health is. If you are a thin white woman, then your mental health is in check. I cannot be that. I will never, ever have the ability to become that. So for me, especially when I started my mental health journey, it seemed so far away and out of reach to be mentally healthy. Yeah, representation is so important. And it's something that we at DBSA is working on. I'm so glad you're here to share our story. One of your one of my favorite parts is you mentioning your nappy hair and your thick thighs. Because obviously, uh, if people who don't know, I am also Black. So these are things that are part of my culture. And we often leave out the whole person when we talk about mental health and focus on one thing. And I like that you you are saying, hey, I am all of me here. You do get to a point in your letter when you realize no one is coming to save you. What was that point in your mental health journey? What was that process like of figuring out that no one was going to save you and you had to save yourself? It was a really hard pill to swallow. Um, When I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, major depressive disorder, and substance use disorder, I immediately went into hospitalization and I immediately went into treatment almost daily. Like I had to see a psychotherapist and a psychiatrist at least weekly. Mm -hmm. None of those people could resonate with my story. None of those people saw could align my mental health conditions with my experiences, the nappy hair, the thick thighs. They saw them as not pertaining to my mental health journey. And so, I mean, my whole bag now is self-advocacy because of those experiences in the mental health space. Those people could only help me to some point in my Mm -hmm. mental health journey. After that, they were just like, well, that's not very important. Like racism, that's not very important. That's not detrimental to your health. Get over that. Like focus on what is important. Go for a run, eat an apple. And it just, no one was coming to save me. Yeah, we're very solution oriented in our current society and we don't take into account a lot of systemic issues or um, just like we were talking about earlier, the whole self. When you're when you're treating my mental health, you're treating all of all of me. Um, So I I think that's um, very important. You mentioned some trust issues in your letter. Was it trust issues with uh, medical providers? Was it trust issues with family? Was it both? How, how, and how did those trust issues affect your uh, mental health journey? Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a household where people who held power over you, primarily my caregivers, my parents, my aunts and uncle could do whatever they wanted to you. They, if they were older than you, they were allowed to do anything. Thus the abuse and, um, yeah, that's the abuse. And so because of that growing up, I went directly into the military after college and that, that thought process or that those beliefs continued. People who had power over me could do whatever they want. It wasn't until I met the end of my life journey that I realized, wow, not everyone who holds power over me or who has the ability to tell me to do something has my best intent in mind. They, Mm -hmm. most of the time they have their best intention. Like they want the best for them. What I'm doing is contributing to their success and not my own. And so that is still something I am trying to rip 
apart from myself. Just the idea that anyone who is in a position of power over me has power over me. Yep. So you talk about this getting to the end of your life, but you're obviously here talking to us today and sharing your story with us today. What got you to the next point? Hmm. So I, I touched on this a little bit early. I was hospitalized after my suicide attempts mm-hmm. and um, shortly after diagnosed. Had that not happened, I would, I, I mean, I would not be here. Um, a lot of people, uh, and I think that's how I met us, the coordinator for the show is speaking about my suicide attempts. And a lot of people follow up with that with like resilience and wow, you're so strong. Bitch, I, I'll, I'm supposed to be dead. Like I would have died. This is not resilience. This is very much luck. There are tons of people that look like me and have gone through my experiences that are dead. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're sharing your story. And I think that is the most powerful thing. You're continuing to share your story. You're, you're like you said, a mental health advocate and not taking away the like resilient um language around it and more so saying um well what are you saying that mm-hmm. explain to what you're saying in in response to the resilience um in response to the resi- the reason I am an advocate now because I could bear about just be living my life and not talking sure. about my mental health journey but the reason I advocate is because no one else fucking is I when I keep coming back to the same theme is when I type in boundaries or when I talk, type in mental health or when I, I'm looking for like speaking engagements to talk about my mental health journey, it is always the same people being um, connected with these topics, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. leads people to believe that it's just not possible for a body like mine to have the conditions that I have. It's just not possible. And so that's the reason I do this work is because somebody out there is just like little Katrina or somebody out there is just like big Katrina today and really needs to hear it. What has the response been to your self-advocacy and putting yourself in spaces where you don't, you haven't seen yourself? What has that that response and experience been like? It's been a lot of clutching of pearls. Mm. I was recently in a summit where there were other people from different racial identities there. And none of them spoke about systemic racism as a detriment to mental health. And so as the summit went on, I was like, oh shit, oh shit. And then I was like, okay, I will do it then. And so a lot of people are not looking for that. They're looking for me to just talk about mental health. They're looking for me. And a lot of people choose me as a speaker because I also served in the military. So they're looking for me to talk about that, placate that. And so it's so hard to go into those spaces and be the bomb dropper in every single conversation because nobody else is dropping bombs to, to be frank and to only have that phrase in mind. Mm. I'm going to jump back into your letter a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, you, you write Katrina, we are nothing like her. That line of text, it stands alone when you write it. Right. And I'm wondering why you made the choice to, um, write that line and then leave it by itself. Mm -hmm. So one of my biggest fears as a mother is that the abusive behavior that I was a victim of 
I, it will continue on with me. Like my mother learned that abuse from her caregivers. My father learned that abuse from his caregivers. It is a generational, generational behavior that has been passed down. And I am fearful that somehow, some way, I won't be able to erase it. I'm fearful of that every single day. Right. And so this is a reminder to your younger self that you aren't um, that way. You leave your letter on a very positive note. You let your younger self know that you are glad that you've gotten to this place. And I, I was wondering if you could say a little more about where you are now. We talked a bit about your um, mental health advocacy. Um, we talked a little bit about you, um, you know, putting yourself in spaces where you don't usually see yourself. But where, where are you at now? I am very honest about myself now. And that means like the good, the bad, and the everything in between and the grayness and the multifaceted being that I am as a human being. I'm very honest about who I'm representing. And that's just me. Although I may bring my identities into spaces, that doesn't mean I come with like a playbook. You will have to listen to me speak to learn about what's in my playbook. There's not a playbook for me because I'm writing it my damn self. So I'm very honest about who I am. If you don't mind me asking, if I was someone who, you know, found themselves in the same place that little Katrina found herself, and now I think that I am ready to go out there and, and share my story, how important is it for that person to, how important is it for that peer, that person to push boundaries? Hmm. And so it's as important as it is to note who is setting those boundaries mm. and where are those boundaries based in? Like what beliefs are those boundaries based in? So if I go into a space where it's predominantly white people and they're, they're like, okay, talk about your veteranism and like that, that like you serve the country. And then I push that boundary. That's because I'm serving my, my own intentions of bringing awareness to black mental health and other people's mental health for that matter. Um, so yeah, that's why it's so important. Like I'm so honest about my identities and what I've gone through that when I go into those spaces, it's easy to kind of identify what boundaries are being set and who the fuck is setting them. How often do you find that you're asked to speak, but it's a dissection of your identity and what do you do in those situations? Um, so it is 2022 now and um, I, my, the trailer for the documentary I was featured in on major depressive disorder was just released today or mm -hmm. a couple days ago. And it's not that I'm asked to be, di to dissect myself, but it's that I'm being asked to represent everyone on the fucking planet just by being in a room. Um, in the trailer, you'll see that there are two other people talking about their major depressive disorder and they're both older white people. Mm -hmm. And then there's me. So, yeah. so I am quite simply the representation for, well, we got her like, damn, and she a veteran. And so, yeah, um, it's that part to, I have to constantly remind people that I won't be able to be that for you. I just won't. Yeah. It, a similar situation, and maybe I can write a little bit. I remember being in college and being like in a class of 200 kids, and um, it was a comms class, and we talked about um, 
African-American vernacular English. And I remember the eyes all turning to me because there's only three black kids in that class. <laughs> and us looking back at them like, well, what do you want us? We can't tell you everything about African-American vernacular English. We only know the stuff that pertains to us, you know? And uh, I remember some of the kids in that class just like rolling their eyes, like, well, why don't you guys know or why aren't you the experts? Look, it happens when you go to a predominantly white institution, right? These things happen. <laughs> but you do, you know, you're not, as much as you represent your culture, you're not the spokesperson for every little piece of your, of your culture. Um, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about, uh, you, you were gracious enough to come on our podcast and we didn't talk about your podcast. We know you host the podcast, Absolutely Not. Um, about setting boundaries for our mental health. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, how you got started with that podcast and what it means to you and what and what you're hoping to accomplish with it? Mm. Um, so I started this space because as I talked about earlier, when I was doing my own research in mental health and in boundaries and everything I was learning about in therapy from my Black female therapist, everything associated with those terms had somebody who didn't look like me. And anytime I would talk to people who were my um, consulting clients or my coaching clients about these terms, like um, the vocabulary associated with boundaries and um, naming harm in spaces, they would look at me so confused. I'd be like, why don't you know? Do you go to therapy? Like, <laughs> right. I'm concerned now that I'm in relationship with you for business matters. But so I created this free resource because I want more people to understand what it looks like to cross someone's boundaries. Quite often in spaces, people touch my hair without permission. That is a physical boundary that is being crossed because why? Because of the color of my skin. And that disconnect of what people think boundaries are and what they actually are is where people that look like me, that share my identities and my live experiences fall in. And they need a resource so that they're able to combat it and not internalize the messages that follow suit. It's so important not to internalize those messages. It's so easy, especially in Western societies, to get those negative feedback loops and think that that's what society expects of you and that's how you're supposed to respond to it. I'm wondering if you find in your conversations with your guests that um, there are boundaries, there were boundaries that you didn't consider or they didn't consider. And then um, like, are there epiphanies that happen on the podcast? Absolutely. Um, my last episode is with a parent of a child with disabilities and they have nonverbal autism, I believe is the term I have never worked with someone who has a child with disabilities. So the revelations that happened during that episode were just so many, so many and so insightful. And that type of bringing it down to a level where these are just the things I need to be productive in spaces is what I love about my show is anyone can come up there and talk about different boundaries and we're going to learn something new. Yes. Make sure you guys go out and listen to Absolutely Not. Katrina, where can we find your podcast? All over the, well, all of the places that podcasts can be found, Apple, Spotify, Anchor. And I'm also on YouTube. So you can watch me make um, reactions and stuff. It's 
it's a lot better on the YouTubes. Absolutely. So before we let you go, we always ask our guests, what is a wellness strategy that you do every day to help? One of my favorites today would be I have alarms on my phone. I think one's going to go off in like 30 minutes. And the alarm just says, hey, I love you so much. Did you eat today? And I have another alarm that says, I love you so much. Have you touched the grass today? They just, they bear, all of them start with like, I love you or, hey, you're beautiful. But also, have you done what you need to do to be whole today? And I have those alarms going off like throughout the day, sometimes throughout the week on random days of the week. But in my own way, I'm telling myself like, the thing that you're doing right now is not as important as you. Take some time, walk away, put yourself first. Setting alarms to make sure you get back to living in the moment. Ooh. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Katrina. Is there anything else you would like to share before we let you go? Yes. One of the biggest things that's not taught in like public education or at any point throughout my journey, nobody ever told me this until I started going to therapy is you are worthy just by being alive. You are worthy of everything that you need, the conditions that you come with and the respect that you should be advocating for on a daily basis. You are worthy. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. Your reviews really help us out and we appreciate them. If you feel inspired and want to submit your own letter, head over to dbsalliance.org slash I'm Living Proof. This episode was hosted by DBSA Programs Manager Hannah Zeller and Digital Communications Manager Dante Freeman. You can support DBSA and more shows like this one by making a gift today. Head over to dbsalliance.org slash donate. Your support can help make sure that no one feels alone. Thank you.